to the American Outlaws podcast, episode 40 of the podcast series of American Outlaws. We're still improving. We're almost perfect. Thank you for joining us again. It's been good four months since our three, four months since our last podcast when we were at the Gold Cup in Nashville. Had a great time. When we had the highest hopes in the world. (laughs) Everything was rosy. Uh... We had just hired a new coach, if I remember correctly. We were... Um, he was undefeated. Yeah, we... We were talking to LD and Stu about how he hasn't lost yet. My, yeah, my socks had a oh. plus six goal differential. Everything was great at the time. Uh, time to change a little bit. Just just a smidge. Uh, hopefully you know what we're talking about. But if not, stay tuned. I'm Corey Donahue uh, with American Outlaws, joined, as always, by co-host uh, Justin Brunken. Hey, what's up? Co-host and co-founder of American Outlaws. We have Megan Brunken and Brian Hexel, also of American Outlaws, in the room. Guys, can you say hi? What's up? How's it going? Hi. Hi, guys. And we have Mark Perkowski of AO Lincoln in the house. Hi, Mark. Hey, good to be here, guys. I've listened to many, and first time I've been on. Yeah, cheers. But those of you who listened and watched the AO FIFA tournament will know you from your very dulcet tones of announcing FIFA online video games. Really? I don't know about that, but that was fun. That was fun to do in that FIFA tournament, <laughs> that national FIFA tournement. That was a good time. Surprisingly, good. yeah. It really was. <laughs> it was I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. It was a good time. People actually listened and sent questions. It was weird. But I don't think we're here to talk about that today. We, we, we had a great... could be a lot better conversation. <laughs> probably be more fun. <laughs> we had a good Gold Cup. We had a great AVO FIFA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, U17s. Yeah, we had the U-17s. That was even more recent than the uh, debacle down in Trinidad. Yeah, and they made it to the quarters and lost to the eventual champions. Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm trying to remember how this all played out. Um, really, we we came out of the Gold Cup flying. Sure. We went into the Gold Cup flying, and we had a nice crash landing because we lost 2 nothing at home in Harrison, New Jersey. Um I guess I'm kind of jumping into it. Maybe I should lay out what we're going to talk about. What are we going to talk about? Let's remember what's happened since the last podcast (laughs) here. We'll we'll revisit the highs and the lows of uh, the last couple months of uh, following the U.S. soccer team uh, with with Mark here. And maybe uh, Christopher Donahue of AO Kansas City or AO KC might be calling in soon or later. to make sure he doesn't yell. He he gets angry. Yeah. He's He's probably pretty angry right now. Yeah. He's, yeah. uh, He takes it takes it to heart um we all do we all do it was tough it was really really tough yeah you're you're, you're jumping ahead a little oh, bit okay. are, are, are you talking about the gold cup uh, no, oh, only only winning in overtime oh uh, sure yes that's, that's right <laughs> that was tough <laughs> it, was, it was really tough not getting a chance to beat mexico in the final that's what i was talking about wait i'm just remembering we didn't win in overtime didn't we win 2-1 in regular time against jamaica yeah oh yeah sorry my my memory deceives me sometimes. Only if we would have had Jamaica in the hex. Only. <laughs> yeah. If only. So, yeah, we're going to talk about what's gotten us up to this point over the last few months. We're going to get Chris on the horn, talk about that fateful night in uh, Trinidad and in AOKC and in AO Lincoln with Perk. And then later on, we're really excited to be joined by the host of the Total Soccer Show, uh, big fans of these guys, Taylor Rockwell and Daryl Grove, um, are the hosts. They're both going to be joining us, I believe. Nice. Um, they're fa- fantastic show. Do you listen to that show, Perk? I once in a while. It's a good podcast. Yeah, yeah, real good. Brunken. Oh yeah, love it. Great show, Megan. Yeah. 
Axel? Yes. <laughs> we got five for five. All right. They'll be happy to hear that. Um, this is the only pod, only soccer podcast that Megan listens to, I think, right? Total Soccer Show? No. Oh. She was, Bundesliga. Oh, Bundesliga, too. You listen to all of them. Oh, nice. That's awesome. In German? No. Oh. <clears throat> I know you speak fluent German. How do you say soccer in German? Foosball. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a softball <laughs> question. <laughs> Uh, thanks again for joining us, guys. Um, so yeah, we got through. We got through the Gold Cup, uh, victorious. We um, ride in high hopes. I had my socks on, my plus six goal differential. We go to uh, New Jersey. I wasn't. It, for anybody who doesn't know me on Facebook, I had socks that had a plus six goal differential after that win in uh, San Jose, and um, we went to New Jersey. We had an amazing tailgate. If I were, uh, I was not there. You guys were there. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Right on the river? The city of Newark gave us this whole park. And it's like, hey, just do what you want. And uh, it was fantastic. They were great to work with. Yeah, you could see the whole stadium, like, on the other side of the river from our tailgate. Oh, that's And sweet. you had to yeah, walk sorry. over the bridge uh, to get march over the bridge to get to the stadium. It was so cool. I think Brunken did a Facebook Live, I think, from there. And it was really cool to watch. Mm, man. It was awesome. Yeah, our, I feel like our tailgates aren't known for their beautiful scenery. You know, it's usually hey, leave, leave RFK out of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we will have to a, now. A sea of Unfortunately. asphalt, but <laughs> cheers. <laughs> um, but yeah, that really, that was the first step to uh, missing, well, third step maybe, to uh, missing out on the World Cup was that loss to Costa Rica, which we did have a lot of possession. We had a lot of shots on goal, if I'm rem- remembering right. Um we just couldn't we couldn't score. We had some horrendous giveaways in the back, if I remember correctly, that led to both of their goals. Tim Howard Tim Howard was at fault, which would become a theme <laughs> later on. Um Pool I mean, he was trying, he just didn't have the touch, he just didn't look himself that game. Yeah. And when he's not playing well, I just feel like the team we got nothing else. just can't play well. We got very I don't know why. That shouldn't be the case, right? Isn't that an amazing that we put that much weight on a teenager? Yeah. But you're totally right. You're totally right. You can tell that they just they told him, everybody else do your job, but but Christian, when it gets to you, I want you to make it happen. Just make everything happen. <laughs> it's like, that never works. That never works. It only works for Ronaldo at Portugal. That's the only place I've ever seen it work. <laughs> but, uh, you saying that Christian Pulisic is not Ronaldo? I'm saying he's Cristiano Pulisic. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's my first of many, but... <laughs> Um, I didn't even get a galazzo. <laughs> no, I didn't deserve it. Keep, keep me honest. <laughs> okay. Done. Uh, yeah, so we lose 2 nothing to Costa Rica. Uh, we, was that Bruce's lo- first loss in charge? Uh, sure, yeah. I think yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there was that feeling. And then uh, we went down to, was it Honduras? Yes, right. And, got, and oh, got, we were losing the whole game, got if I remember point. correctly. Yeah. Played like... Played Absolute horrible. dog shit. Yeah. And scored with the last kick of the game on a sloppy Yeah, Bobby goal. Wood. I can't remember who else touched it. That's a good finish, though, by Bobby Great Wood. finish, yeah. That's what he does well. How old is Bobby Wood? Do you know that? Mid-20s? Yeah. He's young. Because he's still, he's, he'll still be around for that next cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Without doing the normal American 35-year-olds are in play. <laughs> 35-year-old strikers. Is Dempsey 35? He, he's, he's like 33, though, I think, right? I don't know. If only we had an interconnected bunch of devices <laughs> that could look up these things for us. 
Intern. What's that? Bobby Wood is 24. 24. Oh, nice. So he's around for a while. Let's see. We do have a lot of good young talent. We really do. Oh, yeah. And obviously the, the U-17s prove that. Uh, Pulisic proves that. Uh, Bobby Wood being 24. There's a, a lot of young people. Who's your favorite U-17 player that you saw in this World Cup? Can you pull one? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go a little off-grid with that. Uh, Carlton. He's like he that re- that like blondish red haired guy midfielder. I thought he was more blonde, but uh, he yeah he has a midfielder who could just find anybody he Freckly, wanted. And not Josh Sargent, but uh, I thought yeah, he was, I know who you're talking. Yeah, about. I mean, the guy could just lace passes together. It was so smooth. Yeah, obviously you know uh, Wea and Sargent are the ones you go to also, but I thought Carlton was just smooth, real good. Did he have that? Um, was it the first goal? What was the route game? Who did we play? Was it up? It, this round of 16 Paraguay? Colum- yeah, Paraguay, Paraguay. yeah. Paraguay. Um, yeah, we had that cr- incredible second half. That, that first, was was it his pass where he it was like dropping from, it was like a full volley pass that he hit with his laces, and it split two defenders and then hooked perfectly into somebody's path. It was a through ball. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I can't remember that Rocking. specifically, but if, oh. it's, and if it's first half, I didn't see first half. But we only had the one goal in the first half, I think. Yeah. And then we routed like four or five goals. I think it was our first goal. Okay. And you put it through, and then whoever it was that was streaming down the right put it across. I, I, see, I didn't see that first step. But he, he's just smooth and with a lot of weapons to go to. Yeah. So, again, that's, that's why that future is really, really bright with, with not only those guys, but, I mean, and even guys who aren't playing that yet, Cameron Carter, Vickers, and that, is that Lyndon Gooch is playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot of young guys. Yeah. And I don't know what Julian Green's doing now. He probably kind of dropped off, but, but there's still – um, Hopefully he's eating because he's so like <laughs> light. I hope he's just yeah snorting creatine or something. I don't know what kids do. I don't know what the kids do these days. Um, That's probably one of the things. Yes, but yeah, no, yeah, the U seventeen team is was exciting, and that <laughs> it does just, give hope. Again, England crushed him, but also England then beat Brazil three to one and Spain like five to two in to the, win final? the title. Yeah. They beat them five to I, two. I think so. they were down two nothing. I, I think they, they won. I didn't two. even know what it was. So I mean, losing to England is no shame. You're right. And even we though. we had what after they went up two nothing. I mean, great. Yeah. It was after they went up, but we had like went off the post. We had like true rude that like that last eight corners to zero at one time. I know. the last half hour of the first half we actually looked pretty good. And I mean, the, the better team won. Don't get me wrong. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And it could have been forty to two, but yeah. Um. But yeah, excited for the future. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, which is good because we have a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got some time to to worry about it. Um, it is too. I mean, I don't know how much we're getting to the, that part of it now, but it, uh, it is too bad for those guys who can't play anymore. Well, Fabian Johnson, Jeff Cameron, who didn't get a chance to play. I mean, those guys are done. I mean, I feel bad for them. Well, Jeff, it's, it's everyone. I mean, there's everyone on the team could have played. In Jeff, the World Cup. Jeff Cameron being sat in those last two games, I will just never understand. Is it is it as simple as Bruce had I mean, that was the big story with Bruce coming in is like he like he has his guys, right? And he likes he likes picking his own guys over informed guys or whatever. Yeah. And Jeff Cameron has been like the be- you know, other than Pulisic, like the rock when he's been healthy. And he, yeah, and, and he ran he was coming come coming off injury, but he got he just played ninety at Stoke. Yeah. Before that, so he yeah. he is fit enough to play ninety in the EPL in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I don't know, and then but he starts Omar instead, who obviously played for Bruce at LA Galaxy. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know I, I don't know where his head's at, but maybe he just felt more comfortable with his guys. But hey. I, I feel pretty comfortable with Jeff Cameron. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. I mean 
against Panama. Looked good. Yeah. It looked phenomenal. Yeah. Wait, who are you talking about? The U.S. team. The, the whole, yeah, that's, oh, and, yeah, yeah. And we the game that, before Trinidad. In oh, Panama games, everyone's on top of my Omar. Oh, no. <laughs> the team, the lineup. Yeah, and, and we looked, everyone's on top of the world. It's like, oh, we're in the World Cup after Panama. Yeah. Because Panama always, those are always dogfights. They're always tied mm-hmm. or one-point games or everything. So the fact we won easily, I mean, that was, you just yeah. thought, well, this, okay, this team, they... They, you, Corey, you said this many times. When your backs are against the wall, the U.S. comes through. That's what we always do. And yeah. our backs uh, were up against like a pole in the last <laughs> game, and we wormed our way around <laughs> against Trinidad. Uh, no, that was like the one obvious thing in the Panama game was that that was our one dark spot because it was right in front of us in the AO section was Beasler and. Um, Beasler and Omar were having like a nightmare over and over. Even though we won four zero, they were just getting torched and like they were miscommunicating and p- people were getting by them. Thirty five year old guys burning them on the dribble, and I was like, oh "What are you doing?" Which, uh, yeah, spelled trouble for. The, I, I still can't believe Jeff Cameron didn't come in for Omar for that last game. I, 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 I still don't get it. You know, and and I gotta admit, I, I was a Monday morning quarterback on that because when I first saw the lineup uh, against Trinidad. I'm like, oh, sweet, the same lineup that just won. I go, so that's great. We're playing the same lineup that just had this good thing. And then afterward, like, well, a few days later when I kind of got over it a little bit, still not really over but I'm like, why would you start the same lineup? They were such an emotional such high for that. Game. Yeah. So now, now why don't you put some guys in that are hungry and need to win? These guys are coming off this huge emotional high in that must-win Panama game. Yeah. And then, of course, they're going to be flat, yeah. let alone the stadium, everything that happened. You know all this stuff. So, well, yeah. yeah. So, after that game, Arena said in his post game comments, he's like, "I, I think one of his lines was, we wrong. haven't even thought about the second <laughs> game yet. We haven't even thought about the Trinidad game.' And you know, he says like really arrogant things, like occasionally <laughs> just to get laughs. So I couldn't tell if it was even if he was kidding or not. But it didn't seem like he was kidding. Uh, yeah. And I but agree. the game was so different. We didn't have to win. We weren't on an immaculate field and. F- in Orlando, like it was in Orlando, in front of like, you know, a sixty thousand whatever people were in Orlando does a fantastic job. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, just super pro uh, U.S. crowd. It wasn't like that. We didn't need all the offense in the world. We needed to grind out a, a yeah. one nil win or something, which so, we always did in the past in Trinidad. So why not throw in a, a hungry Benny Fellhaber? A, a, fair, do that, a, a very fresh uh, Jeff Cameron. Yeah, they put him in last yeah, ten minutes and he yeah. played great. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, we did block a header. <laughs> no, I think I think Bobby Wood blocked it, didn't he? Oh, I don't remember. I, I, think, he, I think he and Bobby Wood went for the same ball. And yeah, either one of them would have scored, and both of them couldn't. But yeah, they both got in the way. Yeah, uh, just you know uh, who they should have brought back was Ricardo Clark. <laughs> he he, he's a grind out guy. Well, four true. years ago, he scored down there, didn't he? I think it was in Trinidad. He scored oh, was it? for a 1 0 win. And it was like his only goal I ever remember for the U.S. team. And then anybody who watched the Sporting KC Houston game this week uh, <laughs> saw, saw how, how uh, you know majestic of a player he was on that field. I, I've seen him. Uh, he's played. I've watched Houston play three times in the past, like, two couple weeks against Sporting KC. So there's always Ricardo Clark. Touche. I actually remember he had a giveaway against Ghana uh, in one of the World Cup losses. That, that oh, I think he got subbed at halftime, didn't he? Or in the first half. Maybe. maybe. I think it was England. I think it was uh, – No, it was, 2000- Ghana, it was the Ghana knockout game, I think, in 2010. Was it? I was thinking it was the England – I don't know. I'll look that up. We'll look it up in the break. 
But um, there's a lot more things to get worked up about than that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go to a break here soon and have Chris call in. But before we do that, I was with Perk down at uh, Captain Jack's here at the A.O. Lincoln Bar uh, for the for that final Trinidad game. Brunken, maybe when um, Chris calls in, we can go over your experience in Trinidad a little bit, you and Megan and Hexel. Okay. Um, but I guess let's talk from our perspective here in Lincoln what it was like. First of all, we're never going to forget. That's why I said that night. is like this is a night we're always going to remember for the rest of our lives. Right, yeah. And it was such a surreal thing on TV because it was like the uh, generator was humming in the background, much like... Our podcast at the moment, I think, has a little bit of a hum. It does. I'm trying you, to figure it out. We're recording live in Trinidad right now. <laughs> on the field. <laughs> yeah, we're on the field. I had to carry Perk over the water. The same amount of people in this room as there was in Trinidad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a bigger crowd. Oh, it all is just, oh, it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I've put as much thought into this podcast as Bruce Arena did into that game. So that one. <laughs> Oh, oh, nice. Oh, all right. You get the, you're on the board. Cheers. I made it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so down at Captain Jack's, we're down there. I would say it was almost like, I, I don't know if it was arrogance or just math or like. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say arrogance. It was just, the, yeah, the mathematics was in totally in our favor. Yeah, 93% chance. And, and even, so I, I'd go back to even to 40 minutes left in the game. So obviously we're down 2 nothing at halftime. Pulisic gets that great goal to start off the half. Yeah. So 40 minutes left, we're down 2-1. At the same time, both uh, who is it? Both Panama and Honduras those are losing. They're both losing. They're both losing by yeah. a goal. So, like so we're in 40 in. minutes, we just have to get another goal and we're fine. And those two both have to score two more goals, yeah. both against the top two teams in the bracket, Yeah. Uh, Costa Rica and Mexico. It's like, well, okay, so this is – we're, we're we're looking good now. We're not, you know, we're probably gonna get a goal. If not, who cares? This game's going. We're gonna get through no matter what. Might be a playing game. Who knows? So yeah, I, I wouldn't call it arrogance. I just thought it was just more like everything that needs to happen can't happen, right? Right. And it's just a st- statistical. And obviously, Panama had that goal that shouldn't have counted. Yeah, it didn't cross the line. Well, the, uh, Honduras had that it, screamer off the back of the goalie's head. Is that the <laughs> well, one? Hit the crossbar, hit the goalie's head, hit the other bar, and went in. I was so, like, I mean, you, what is that? It, you know, is, is Ian Dark would say on the other side of this, you can't write scripts like this. Yeah, I mean, no one would believe this. It's the most concaf-y of concaf. Yes, yeah, so we we got concaf. <laughs> and the mood it, in the bar was just like oh, sunken. It, it just went. It was it was like silent for ten minutes. You had some people who were angry. Yeah, uh, there's one guy I'm thinking about in particular. You probably remember that guy, but uh, he was just like really upset about everything. Like, yeah, yeah and um, most of it was just disbelief. Yeah, um, like staring uh, off into space. All yeah, of that a lot of uh, God, this yeah, just trying to wrap your head around it. it yeah, was, it, it was it was so weird. It was it was surreal, yeah. and, and it really even you know the next day at work, and you know I'm pretty social at work, and a couple people came up to me going. Hey, what happened? I'm like, I can't talk about it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I, I felt bad telling people that. I'm like, I can't talk yeah. about it yet. Yeah. I go, give me time. Do you think as fans, we are just assume too much and are a little arrogant? Just like people are calling like U.S. soccer in itself, like kind of being a little arrogant. Because like I assumed. Yes. We were in. Yeah. We had. And then like it didn't hit. Like I said, uh, well, I mean, I was telling other people. It's like, I don't think it hit me till the second half. 
I think we're arrogant in some ways, but in other ways, like I, I can, we have arguments that we are a top 16 team in the world because we made the last, they're the knockout stage of the world cup. How many times? Three of the last four world cups. Right. So, and we've qualified for every one of them. Um, we're well, for certain a top three and a half team in our, <laughs> in our region. Well, <laughs> should be. well we should be. I don't know if Is we it? are anymore. I don't no. know. We, I mean, technically Technically, the U.S. is not. Yeah, we're fifth. Right. Yeah, we're fifth in our region. And then there's a problem with this. We're fifth in a region that. that was set up to make us qualify, yeah. and we still fucked it up. Yeah, the world, they want USA, Mexico in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, we, and we didn't deliver our end. Everyone does. Yeah. FIFA, Nike. Russia. Adidas. Russia, has, Russia. <laughs> is really taking this one <laughs> the hardest because... The most people, nobody's just going to travel to Russia for this World Cup. Like the Confederations Cup, the only people that traveled there were Chilean fans, really. The, the, what did they <laughs> no say? It was like, I, I heard a stat, and I'm going to misquote it, but it was like 10 or 20,000 fans traveled to Russia for the Confederations Cup, and they were expecting like hundreds of thousands. Wow. And like 80% of them were from Chile. I'm, I'm getting a lot of this wrong, but the proportions are right. And and because uh, Chile had just won the. Uh, oh. The uh, Common Bowl tournament that I can't think of the name. Copa America. Copa yeah. America. The Centennial. Yeah. And um, so their fans are, are really uh, backing them at the moment. And um, or were. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and now and now they're out and we're out. So it's like two time Copa America champions. I think they and and they're not in the World Cup. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I don't remember the exact stat, but it, like Germany, who I think won the Confederations Cup, right? Yeah, with like their their young guys. Yeah, their young guys. They had like under a thousand fans go over, and they you know they're decently close to Russia. Yeah, what is closer that, like than fifteen hour flight, maybe. Sure. Four hour flight. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I could get to Orlando in that time, but um. Well, they're they're probably the closest team besides Russia, obviously, isn't it? Yeah, because well, the because uh, the other European team was Portugal, so that's farther away. Oh, in that tournament, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Russia's got to be furious that we're not going because we always bring we always travel the most of any country. Sure, we had the top five. Yeah, four hundred sixty-nine thousand people traveled to Brazil. To Brazil, four hundred sixty-nine thousand. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if that was heard on out on the podcast, but Exodus said n- nearly a half a million. U.S. fans travel to Brazil. Well, yeah, half a million American, half a million Americans. I'm sure a lot of them went down to support other countries as well. But yeah, I mean, we had top five tickets sure. sold already before the Trinidad game, and that was only going to go higher. Yeah, yeah. Well, it and feels those, good to stick it to Russia a little bit in that way. Well, at least, no, because they already <laughs> sold those tickets. I to have it a different way. <laughs> Maybe no, they're not enough. having. They're not going to have the extra amount. The, you know, however many hundreds of people on the AO package going to stay for two weeks, and they're not going to have all the other people going to stay for two weeks. And you know, I don't they know. won't have our. I don't know how many members there. I don't know how many Hondurans are going, but I guarantee it's not as many as the number of U.S. fans who would have gone. I promise. You. Uh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> stick it to Russia a little bit once in a while. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, you know, you know the painful thing about that night. Once I, I kind of rewatched some of the ending. Uh, and, and, and that network it was on isn't the best, um, but uh, at the very at the very end, the, the announcer did say because they you know show Panama and they go revenge is the dish served best served after four years. Yeah, because Panama got their revenge and they ended up going because we knocked them out four years ago. Yeah, I'm like God, that's a great line. Just too bad it was against us. Yeah, but, uh, but 
that's not revenge. We were a better team than them last time, and I don't know. That's not really revenge. Yeah, they I don't feel. They tried to throw. They tried to get us to throw the game, and we just didn't yeah. do it. <laughs> it was like, yeah, how's that revenge? Oh, you guys were assholes four years ago, and you got lucky this time. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, and we can't blame anyone but ourselves. Oh, of course. Like people not. are talking like no one's even asking to review that Panama goal because it's like we didn't do our part. We oh don't yeah, we don't want to go. go. We don't want to back into this thing like <sighs> that. That would be horrible. Yeah. Oh, Just I heard win. quotes from one person high up in U.S. soccer who thought we deserved to go. <laughs> the ball goes in off that post, Justin. That's the only. That post was the only problem in all this. Let's get into that later. Is right. it Dempsey <laughs> shot his, his shot off the post. That yeah, one. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Okay. Um, Talk but, about in the future in the, later in this podcast yeah. about what's next. What do we do next? All right. Um, yeah, I think. Oh yeah, Perk, you got volleyball. You got to get to right. Yeah. Is it outdoor volume? It's 40 Oh, no, no. This is indoor okay. now. Yeah, this is uh, too much of a... <laughs> Quite happy. <laughs> well, thanks, Perk, for visiting us. Um, yeah, yeah, good to be on one of these. I, I've heard many, and it's good to be on one of these now. So Thanks for your good work at American Outlaws Lincoln. Thank you for... Uh, oh, I didn't mention, Justin and I ran in a half marathon yesterday. My first, Justin's 40th. And... Uh, <laughs> American Outlaws Lincoln had a presence along the sidelines. Uh, Perk, thank you for putting that together. Oh, it was easy. Well, Megan was DJing over there, so it made it a little bit easy to, to hang out and watch Brunken all you runners. Disorderly was. DJ Brunken Or is it Megatron? Which one was it this time? It was Megatron yesterday. They listed it as uh, Megatron. Hmm, but it's definitely Brunken Disorderly. You know the one that I prefer. <laughs> your official name. And you get to people. She was cranking the right tunes because you get to. They're just, runners are distinctly drawn and by, you know, either dancing or word in the word, you know, mouth in the word. So yeah, she did a great or counting job. crows, whatever uh, suits your fancy. <laughs> I heard counting crows when I ran by, and it gave me I cut five minutes off my time. So five <laughs> minutes, I well, in the last half That's mile. Not, not true. <laughs> I mean, when I start running, I need to put counting crows on my headphones. I, there's nothing else that motivates me more. <laughs> it's a little fo- folky guy and a guitar whining into a microphone. Nothing better. This segment brought to you by the Counting Crows fan club. <laughs> Adam Duritz is calling up next. Uh, Actually, yeah. that would be amazing. Is he a soccer fan? I don't think so. No. I'll call him. I'll yeah, <laughs> get him on and ask him that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Perk, thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for all your work at AO Lincoln. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get Chris Donahue of American Outlaws Kansas City chapter on the other side of the break. Yeah, we'll get his rant. It's going to be good. Let's get a rant. Life goes floating by, slipping through my fingers like the sands of time. A startled situation caused concern within this pantomime. The joke didn't play nice, now I'm searching for a sequence to unlock the humor built upon this tone called grievance. This reminds me, junior high, always walk awkwardly, tried to stand tall, often find myself on hands and knees. Kids would kick me down, pushing the resistance. Just another lost misfit with the promises of wristlets. So get this, held my own, managed my way out. Couldn't think that high school would have me planning the escape route. I made clout, built a scheme, kept to the layout, but something wasn't clicking. So I went with a new game crowd. Tried to fit in dividends, realized we had different ideas. I struck out on my own, tried to build a new career. It's called living in the moment, trying to make the picture clear. Stay away from obstructions, we're almost there, almost there. Push forward with the dreams you've been chasing. Three pieces at a time, will I give my fate a facelift? I'm through with the mate. Welcome back to the American Outlaws Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us. Thanks to Mark Perkowski from AO Lincoln for um, hanging out and giving us his take on 
U.S. soccer, and uh, that's the reason we're all here, isn't it, Justin? Yeah. I was just confirming. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I, I thought we were here to talk about his intramural volleyball game he was going to. <laughs> Is he good? I've never seen him play. But he seems good. He seems like an MVP. <laughs> yeah. I would bump that spike right to him every time. <laughs> On the line with us now, we've got Chris Donahue from the great chapter of AOKC. That stands for Kansas City. Chris, say hi. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going good, man. I'm trying to match is your it, energy is level. It Corey? No, it's not going good. I'm I'm trying to I, lipstick on a pigskin or what? What is it? I'm trying to. It's close. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> that was I think it's a, just lipstick on a pig. I don't think there's skin it's, on the lipstick. But well, I think that's a bad thing if there's lipstick on a pigskin. No, that or is that? Uh, we're talking, all right, you want to know why football? Yeah, do you know why I said that? Is because Nebraska football is going through almost the exact same thing that U.S. soccer is going through, and there was an article this week called "Lipstick on a Pigskin," huh. and there are a lot of parallels. But we're not gonna. We're not here to talk about you, uh, Nebraska football either. Or could be talking about just depression. And sports in general yeah sports so chris is depressed chris <laughs> I, I would like to first point out that comparing nebraska football to not going to the world cup are probably two two things i wouldn't put on the same the same playing field but um you you nebraskans you can't i don't know um i agree and let's so, not be saying you Nebraskans. You've got a little Nebraska in you. You've only been out of Nebraska right. how long? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure you guys felt it. We've seen it online. It's pretty devastating what we've, what we've been through over the last uh, few weeks. But um, I think that there's, there's also some cool things that have come through that, that we've seen as well. Um, a lot of chapters and a lot of people around the soccer community have embraced this potential devastating, you know, hit that's come to us soccer and, and said, you know, we could either sit and mope about it or we can do something cool and productive to try to help the, the sport in our country. So I think that there's kind of a, a silver lining to all of it. Yeah. I, that's one of the things I was in a bad place in Trinidad after that game. And I think Megan and others can attest to that. And like, I kept getting these texts and Facebook messages from like the AO community, just like, Oh my God, I love all you guys. I love everyone in the AO family. I know we're going to get through this. It was cool to see that like this AO family and everything like this community does like means more than just like one result here and like not going to the world cup as devastating as that is, you know, it was really cool. Yeah, there's strength in numbers. You go through the highs and the lows with them, right? We've had a lot, we've had our share of highs, and um, but it, it helps to have people around when you when you go through shit like this. I mean, we're talking like someone died, but it, <laughs> it I mean, felt that way that night, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. What what did it feel like down at um, Johnny's, Christopher? Were you at Johnny's in uh, yeah. Kansas City? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had another great watch party and had probably a hundred people there, and the mood going into it was very relaxed and people were just kind of like, yeah, draw is good enough. You know, we're playing a B team Trinidad. Um, I don't, I don't see it not going right. In fact, I was asking people before, before the watch party, how they felt. And it was like, it was a friendly almost. So, um, once the game started to, to take place, um, the mood kind of dropped a little bit and 
people started yelling at the TV. And then, you know, towards the end of the game, when, when the other results weren't going our way, it, it just became silent. And you had about half the crowd sitting there with their heads in their hands. And um, it was just really awkward seeing people just get up and leave and no one saying goodbye to any people. It was really, it was really weird. I've been to Johnny's for a lot of watch parties and a lot of night before parties. And it was just kind of a, a depressing state, but Having said that, afterwards, you know, after you have half an hour sitting there at your table looking at your buddies, we kind of all cheers and said, you know what, we're not going to let this get us down and we're going to find something cool to do in this off time. So I think AOKC is in the, in the early stages of planning some cool stuff next summer for maybe a, uh, a local chapter 11 v 11 game where, you know, we get other chapters in town. Um, and there's some other stuff in the works. So I think, like you said, I think there's some some stuff we have to look forward to. Yeah, you said something too. It was it was surprising how like non-nervous people were before that game. Like they didn't, they just didn't expect what could have happened that game. And like everyone was just high spirits in Trinidad. The people that were in Trinidad. Yeah, sorry, did I cut you off? No, go ahead. I remember saying when Omar blasted in that volley in that game <laughs> from outside the box, I remember saying, wouldn't that be insane if that's the goal that, that knocks us out of the World Cup? And I was, like, laughing about it. You know, I was like, there's just no way that's going to be what knocks us out. And then it kind of was. I mean, it basically was, right? And yeah. there was just no thought in my mind. And I guess that's just arrogance a little bit on my part. I, I don't know. So I'm interesting. I ha- I haven't had much time to talk to you guys about the actual game, but the the feel that I got and the feedback that I've seen from people around Johnny's and the people that I, you know, speak with down here, the lack of effort I think was the biggest problem on the field. But was that did it seem like people were jogging around the field in the 80th minute when we're potentially getting knocked out of the World Cup, or was that yeah. our imagination? Yeah. Well, yeah. Was it hot? Was it like a thousand degrees? No. They, they were jogging, right? It was not that hot there. I mean, it was a little steamy, but it wasn't that hot. It wasn't something I, I thought like, you know, th- I need to tell someone else like, oh my gosh, look how hot this is. And I don't know. Did you think it was that hot, Brian? It was not that hot. Yeah. It wasn't. But, it was no Manaus. No, but no, even from worse. people <laughs> at the game, um, you know, we still, uh, you know, I, we still thought we were fine. You know, in the first half, even <laughs> we were down two goals. Even we were a little nervous at halftime. Obviously, anyone would as a true fan. But we thought, like, oh, there's no doubt, we have 45 minutes to get this thing back. Um, but there's a point where people were literally like yelling at the players, saying, "Like, you guys do understand that we need to score." <laughs> <laughs> Panama and Hunter, and I know they could hear us. We're like, <laughs> we're telling them to like, you know, we're behind you. You guys need to run harder. What do you always say? More Hard, better, more harder, faster. faster, better. <laughs> Come on. And we, we know they could hear. We even thought about moving our section to the other side of the stadium just to support them. Yeah, I mean, we should have, though. You oh. know, we were told that we had to sit here, even though the whole stadium was empty. We could have done that, and no one could have told us no. <laughs> and we should have, because I don't know. I don't know what it was, but um, there's frustration. All around. I don't know what they're thinking on the field. I don't think we'll ever – I'm not sure if we'll ever know yeah. what they're thinking during those final 20, 25 minutes. But it'd be, I'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, I just it, – it was, it was curious to see whether or not the players actually knew the other result because 
I remember seeing, my, you know, we had a free kick um, about, you know, just past midfield and like around the 88th minute and some players are jogging forward to get, to get the, from the back, like Beasler and, and Gonzalez and Michael Bradley's walking to the free kick. And I'm thinking, you guys, the world cup is on the line and we can't put forth a jog. You know, it was just shocking to me to think that these guys knew what was at stake and they weren't putting forth the effort. So that, I think that was the thing that I remember the most about the actual game. But like I said, I'm not going to, we've gloat enough about it. We can, we can sit here and, and point fingers at, at this and that. But I think we have a lot, to, we have a responsibility in our hands now and we got other things to look forward to. So, yeah, I, yeah, I thought, I thought some of the players tried their asses off and some didn't and they, the, the difference was stark, but, uh, as you say, um, all that frustration, like I, I woke up the next day and in in the days after, and I'm like, well, yeah, we can either hope about it or we can move on. And so we've kind of been, uh, I mean, all of us have been talking about what's next. Cause we have like a very weird, rare opportunity for, for introspection, um, at American outlaws. What are we, what are we doing? Right. What are we, what could we improve on? What's U.S. soccer doing right? What could they improve on? Um, and, and we were kind of trying to discuss what are the next steps for us. And so we were hoping to talk a little, um, or I, I think we sent out an email today even. About yeah, but thinking <clears throat> what, our, what our next steps are. Yeah, after the game, I mean, I was in, again, I was in a bad place because everything we planned for, like, went up into smoke, right? We were playing for months and months and months on like what's happening for the next six months, six, seven months up to the world cup. I just remember it was like, I was just telling Megan, it's like, what the hell are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, it was good. And there's some optimism the next day or two about trying to figure out, you know, well, now what, man? Yeah. There is an opportunity now to do something. <laughs> I feel like I'm more busy now than I was before. <laughs> So what? I feel like we're more busy now than I was before this debacle, but go we, ahead. Sorry. We kind of have to be. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, the key is now is like, how do we keep people engaged into U.S. soccer, right? Either the men's, women's, youth teams, like what do we do to keep people engaged? And that's kind of what we had moving forward. Maybe there's more we can do now, now that, you know, it's just not the, the usual World Cup. <laughs> it's, yeah. It sucks to say. We think it's the usual World Cup. Yeah. We, it's, we take it for granted. Well, I don't know, Chris, what were some themes that you thought coming out of that game after the smoke had cleared or the dust had settled or blah, blah, whatever the analogy is? Um, what were some like themes that you think really hit home that should frame our next steps? Do you know what I'm, you see what I'm asking? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the bottom line is I think that, that every U.S. soccer fan, whether they want to admit it or not, everybody wants change, right? We, we have this amazing plethora of talent of athletes in our country. And we have, you know, not a, a, an unbelievable youth system, but we have more youth soccer players than any country in the world. And it's just not, nothing's coming of it. And it feels like we've been saying this for decades that, you know, we're, we're a generation away from competing for a world cup and, and now it's like, okay, yeah, one goal. We, we're one goal away from the World Cup, and we probably wouldn't be having this discussion to this degree. But 
also big picture is we want change. I mean, every, everybody wants it. And what the things that we've seen over the last few weeks, months, years, um, not just with the results in the field, but the stuff off the field. Um, I think that anyone involved in U S soccer can say that they want to see change. And I think that, I think that we've got a good jump on it now and it gives us some time to, like you said, reevaluate where we're at and what we want to do and big picture stuff. So, yeah, I agree. Um, God, I lost well, my train. Well, though. we, I mean, uh, yeah, we agree. I mean, we jumped on board I and mean, we spent, uh, you know, half the day, the next day after the game, trying to figure out what to do. And so, you know, we made a statement um, about we want change as well, too, um, how we're looking at changing who's in charge of U.S. soccer. So we're trying to figure out ways to do that, right? So we're trying to create a platform and a avenue for any sort of candidate to listen to our membership and to give them a platform to, you know, tell our membership what they want. Yeah, yeah, that's the okay. So we 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 sh- we're speaking on behalf of our members, right? It, it's clear that everybody wants change in our in our membership and in U.S. soccer fans in general. And we think one of the first ways to do that is I I didn't know how the U.S. soccer election process worked, and if anybody should know, it should be the people in this room, right? And none of us I I think a month ago could have sat down and said. Uh, the board picks uh, has to uh, pick this person to represent, and these are the people who vote, and this is when it happens. And but we didn't have that, and so I think one of the first steps we've highlighted is to. Well, I, th- I know this because we uh, we we think that one of the first steps is to shine a light on how how all this is working, um, how how the processes at U.S. Soccer are uh, are handled, and how how the folks that are making all the decisions uh, got into their positions. And hopefully, because um, we have a we have an election coming up, um, it, it's clear from our membership and from U.S. Soccer's that we want we want new ideas. Um, how how does it go about happening? Who who decides what? Who decides who gets to make those choices? And um, putting info info out there to our large base of people is is kind of a first step i think um we the timing is is works out pretty well since we have one coming up and we have um candidates kind of coming out <laughs> kind of coming out of the woodwork very different candidates um you know i assume Sunil's going to run again i think uh why eric wynalda has announced his his candidacy he's like a you know, he's a very uh, opinionated dude with a lot of opinions and a lot of uh, experience on different ways. Uh, Steve Gans, his first name Steve, right? Yep. Um, I forget the the one biz- or the other guy's name. The the league. Lapointe. Lapointe. Yeah. Lapointe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- there's other people who are rumored to be running too. So um, there's going to be a lot of options, uh, I think. But just but- understanding how it works and and being invested in that side of it is one of the steps that we've highlighted. And so we've going around, sorry to cut you off, Chris, but we're going around to trying to, uh, we, we created an election center on our, on our page to try to just inform all these people who give their money and their time and their effort and their life to this organization, just to learn how it works a little bit more. Yeah, I think 
that's that's the thing is people need to be informed and up until this point like you said no one has ever known what this process was or the people that do know are are very few and far between so i think that this whole thing now is going to give us the ability you know ao and it's going to let everybody that, that is involved in u.s soccer fandom to know what this process finally is and i think it's going to be you know but bottom line is Sunil's been running this this organization for for however many decades, and he's basically run unopposed. And you know he's done some great things. I think U.S. Soccer right now, for whatever reason, is running like a hundred fifty million dollar surplus. Is that right? Yeah. So, but it's like that's but the rumor. What a, but what does that what does that get you? Where does that get us? Well, it's not getting us to the World Cup. So, you know, he might be a great businessman, but what is what is he doing to better the product on the field? And we we just don't see it. So. I'd be interested to see what some of the other guys who potentially could be running, you know what, you know, we've seen, you know, the, the point, but I, I also seen rumors that, you know, guys like a Kyle Martino that would run, which, which would be awesome. Cause that, you know, that's a, here's a guy who's been invested in the game for so long and now he knows the business side of it. And so I, I'd be, be, I would love to know what his policies would be or what, what are some of the things that he wants to change? And, and I think that's what this, this, maybe this information center that the AO is bringing to the table will show people is, Hey, this is what Kyle Martino wants to do with youth development. This is what he wants to do with the money. You know, this is what he wants to do with referees. And that's how, that's how it's different from what Sunil has said. And, you know, we got to give Sunil the same platform, right? Because he's probably going to be running too as well. Right. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see not even just being involved with AO, but I'm just interested to see as a fan, what the, some of the other candidates that are coming through, what they're going to offer, because I think that there's a lot to be said about saying something, you know, on TV in front of the news people, and then actually saying it to the people who are going to be voting is a completely different thing. So um, let's see who can get the votes, right? Yeah, and I I feel like there's two sides of this, and and yeah, we can we can be a platform where some of these people can actually, you know, let us know what they're trying to do, but I don't think many of the fans especially, you know, our members feel like they've been listened to by anyone in charge of U.S. soccer. I, I wouldn't say anyone. I, I, I think the, the head honchos. Okay, and, Corey, how many times have you talked to Sunil Gulati since you've been a U.S. soccer fan? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say zero. Bob, <laughs> Bob my answer is zero. A zero. I was told to uh, sit down once. That was good. Brian? <laughs> no comment. Yeah. So so I, I really think, and so that's why we were, you mentioned it earlier, the survey. Like, this is an opportunity for uh, fans to be, to tell, like, this is what we care about from the fan side of things, and we want you to listen. I don't care who's in charge. There needs to be change. You need to listen. Right. I think leaders in in all walks of life have a lot on their plate, so they choose things to prioritize. I think for for a long time, uh, Sunil's done a lot of great things. Like you said, uh, the budget surplus is fantastic. He's he's uh, concentrated on on the budget side of things and, and given priority to people wearing suits. <laughs> and, but the fan voice is what's funding those suits and, and what's what's funding U.S. soccer. And um, you know he's done some things for the fans, but I don't think I don't think he prioritizes them. I, I this is me talking, my personal opinion, and I would like to hear how other candidates view the fans and how their thoughts on what the fans feel will play into their decision-making when they're in that role. Cause I just don't, I, I don't feel like 
currently the the folks in charge at U.S. Soccer think the fans' voices at the top of their list. I think it's it's more the suits and right. Yeah, and that's so, a perception, and perception matters. Yeah, that's my perception. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe that's and the right another, way to do it, but that's up for, to them to decide and us for us to put out there, I think. And here's another thing that you have to consider is the, you got to find the right man for the job. This means that somebody that's set up that can is willing to do this for, for no, little or no pay, because as far as I know, I don't think – Pilates position is a pay position, no, right? No, it's not. And that was so, Kyle's whole thing from the article, right? Yeah. So I mean, you gotta you gotta find the right guy for the job. But I mean, there's other things. You know, does this person have a good relationship with someone like Dan Flynn? You know, that that is the day to day operations guy at U.S. Soccer House. How is how is that relationship gonna gonna you know coexist? So I, I'm really excited for the for this platform that uh, the AO is creating. I think it's going to be an awesome thing, and you know, in addition to the other stuff that uh, AO has coming up this summer. Yeah, and one thing I'd add is Sunil's an amazingly efficient guy. Like he he has his hands in so many things. He has literally four huge job, four huge roles. He's he's the North American delegate to FIFA, which he's you know flies all over the world and gets I think three hundred thousand dollars a year for. He's the head of the U.S. Soccer Federation, which in itself is a daunting task for anyone, much less the other roles. He's a, a professor at um, Columbia, I believe. Yeah, Columbia. And then um, he's in charge of the U.S. soccer uh, bid for the World Cup. That's four enormous jobs. And I get that they're all related. But, I mean, it's like, how can you prior or how can you delegate enough that I, it's just you, yeah. you got to concentrate on one. Yeah, right? yeah. And, that, and you know, that was the argument that Kyle Martino was kind of talking about, right? Is like, let's get him paid yeah. in the article. And... Um, and Grant Wall said the same thing, right? If they're paid, they can focus on this one job and yes. find quality candidates. Yeah. Use some of that $130 million. And Chris, you said something about um, we, we have the most youth soccer players in the world, and yet we're producing, you know, we're producing some good talent, but we're not producing like Germany is, you know? And I, I think in the same article that maybe you read that I read, um, was that our coaching licenses cost like triple what it costs in Germany to get a coaching license. And then even even if you're just counting the cost, that's one thing, but the, the, the classes you have to take to become a coach are like few and far between, and a lot of people have to travel, and there's, there's all these barricades to becoming a coach, right? And so I think using some of that surplus to really invest in coaching and the youth development is really personally where I think um, – where I where where I would like our uh, our uh, concentration to be going forward, but that's kind of me. And one way we've identified to um, as a next step to prior or figure out what our membership and what U.S. soccer fans care about and what they think needs to be prioritized was we we thought we got to we got to identify what needs to be fixed and what doesn't. So we put out a, we we sent a survey out to our members today, asking all of our members what do you think in U.S. soccer. What do you think they're doing great right now? What do you think they need to improve on? Because we need to we need to put questions in front of all these candidates on the stuff that all of you guys and all of our you know all U.S. soccer fans what they think matters right because they're the eyes and ears out there. I didn't yeah. I didn't have a question for anyone. I just talked and then stopped. <laughs> <laughs> great hosting, Corey. 
Uh, yeah. This is actually my day job. Uh, this is my third oh, job. Oh, this is your third yeah, job? I host this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to pay off. Regis Philbin It's keeps not going. very regular, so I don't know what you're doing. What? I'm preparing. You can't tell I've been preparing, preparing for the last for five months? months? Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is the product? Uh, I think I'm doing pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Chris, you still there? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so so uh, what, what do you think is the next step? What do you see coming up? What makes you excited coming up since we don't have this, uh, this darn World Cup? Um, I, I think there's a couple things. I, like I said, the, I think the coolest thing or the most rewarding thing to me as a, as a fan since, since the World Cup was – was seeing the the post match reaction, which was, you know, it was there was some disgust, but then there was also some potentially productive discussions that I think they're going to come from this, which is how can we improve, how can we get better, and I think I think the people now now that we don't have a World Cup necessarily look forward to, I think people are going to be really interested in the youth teams, right? And so we play Portugal what next month, and. I think that you know it's going to be a largely European base. There's going to be a lot of young guys. I think they're going to go play in these games. Um, the U17s just had a great World Cup. I think that I, I think you're going to see some really cool things that are byproducts of us not making the World Cup. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the youth guys. Someone like you know McKinney that plays for Schalke, or a Tyler Adams that plays for Red Bulls, or you know someone like that going over and you know showing themselves proving themselves against a, a, a top class opponent so i think there's gonna be some some cool things we're not gonna i don't think we're gonna see a tim howard you know much like that anymore i don't think we're gonna see some of these guys you know a wando or you know a, a, i don't know zussi or whoever there's gonna be some 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 guys that are gonna get an opportunity that wouldn't have before so i'm excited for that i'm excited for to see what some of these aero chapters do next summer with their time off the creative ways that they're gonna get get their chapter guys together and guys and gals and play some pickup soccer and they're going to do uh you know i've heard some rumblings about an ao community day coming up and there's some cool stuff i think that's going to happen um and i'm actually feeling somewhat refreshed in a weird way about you know i feel like we almost have a clean slate and we can say let's start over and let's uh let's let's make some new things to look forward to rather than going to a world cup which would have been obviously amazing and you know, I still haven't really soaked it in that we're not going yet, but there's some other stuff coming up to, to definitely uh, look forward to. One one thing you forgot, are you just jacked for Dave Sarakin's time in charge? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been a Dave Sarakin fan since 2001 when, uh, when he played for the Buffalo Bills. And I, I think, uh, you know, I've always been a big linebacker, you know, big line. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but um, I don't even know who did. I know he's the caretaker, but I don't know much about him to be honest. He's a nice guy. I I, I mean, uh, he's been Bruce's assistant forever, though. Long time. He had he had yeah, it's one really short, short, short stint as head coach one time, I think. Um, but yeah, that that joke was leading me into my next question. Who do you think? Who would you like to see in charge of the U.S. men's national team? Before or like in the lead up to qualifying for the next World Cup, before qualifying for the next World Cup, I mean, I think the easy choice would be Tab Ramos, and that's for a lot of reasons because 
we like him. We've all met him. He was at the rally last year in Austin, and he was a fantastic guy. He was on our player panel, um, and he he just knows the game inside and out. He was obviously a tremendous player, but I also think that he understands the game probably just as good, if not better, than any other American um, former player. And the way he's developed his youth teams and the way that he believes in training and all that, you know, just talking to the guy, you feel like he's he's got his life together. So I think he'd be an awesome guy, I think, to be to be at the helm. Um, you know, another guy that no one really considers is a guy like Jurgen Klinsman. He could uh, <laughs> he'd come in and do it do a job. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'd love to see Tab. I think um, I think Tab would be awesome. What he, do you guys think? I feel like Tab is is like uh, he lives for his job and nothing. Like in talking to him, he's so intense. Like he would he would give one hundred percent and care about nothing else other than doing the best job possible, which makes me excited. And I I think he's he'd be great. I, I would like to see him, but for once we get to qualifying, I don't know. We'll see how he does in the interim time, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't I have mean, my I, finger on the pulse of international managers. Yeah, it'd be tough to know who's going to fit us and the system the best, honestly, moving forward. I, I love Tab. Oh, for sure. I want the best for Tab. He's great. Um, but who knows, like, you know, if there's a new person in charge after February, uh, who knows who that, that best uh, coach and Is it just the coach? Is there going to have multiple other positions uh, set in, too, to help with the coach? I don't know. Yeah. I'd be curious to find out. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I don't know. There, it's too soon to even really think about for me. You know, we're only a, a week since we ripped off the Band-Aid. So, um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I don't. And that's the thing is, I don't want to rush into to, to naming somebody just to say we got a name. Um, the thing about naming a guy like Tab Ramos is, so then he gets promoted to be the national team coach, and then something, you know something happens, you know, say we don't make the World Cup again, then we lose him, and then we don't have him as our youth team coach. And it's like, well, I, I would love to see him. It seems like he's thriving in that position now, and I'd hate to, to, to change something if, you know, if he's already doing a good job. So, but who knows? Oh, that's a, that's a good so I we finally got the video finally. <laughs> when was our rally? Uh, May. May oh my gosh, we finally got Tab Ramos's uh, video <laughs> of him talking about the youth system. It was actually pretty awesome. It was. I remember com- him coming up to me and Corey, and we're like, "Is anybody gonna be interested?" Yeah, he was this... worried that that people would care about his speech. I was like, "Yes, yeah," and everyone it. did. People loved what he was talking about was at the rally about his whole process and the youth development. Drop, yeah. So it was cool. We're going to have that uh, video available here pretty soon. I think people will be pretty interested in what he what he had to say. So, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I'd love to have him. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, it, well, Brian, we were talking about what's next. Brian had a list of things that may be coming up. I hope it's hundreds long. <laughs> it's not too long. What? what? <laughs> no. You're supposed to be the hype man over here, Brian. Yeah, that's uh, one of... yeah. well, we have a... Uh... <laughs> Well, this is up to Brunk and when he wants to announce it, but the AO FIFA tourney. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll always, every year we do a EA uh, FIFA tournament. So, of course, we're going to be doing that next year. February ish time line. Yeah, February is the best time. And we need to do that one again. We, when was Beautiful the last one? weather. Yeah. Well, yeah. no one has anything else to do. So, yeah, February ish. Go into yeah. a bar and play video games. We did, a, we did one last year. It was uh, in like the nice weather, and people are like, no, yeah, I'm going to go I'm outside. Yeah, yeah, that's understandable. 
And then What's we next? also have uh, AO Community Day, which I'm really stoked about that. That's going to be in April. Heck yeah. So It's it, going to be a week. Yeah. yeah, whole yeah. <laughs> we call it AO Community Day. So I think we did change it to a week. Yeah. And so it's where we get as many chapters as possible to do good work in their community, to give back to their community. All they different do. projects. Yep. yep. Hands on stuff like building a school or painting a school or building a rebounding wall or making a field or yeah. whatever, what have you. Talk to your chapter leaders. Yeah, we'll have that um, hopefully on a website called AOimpact.org. Sounds good. You sound like you had more. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, well, I usually trail off. You forgot so. the WWW. <laughs> and then uh, we're looking at having a foot golf tournament as well. Oh, heck yeah, Corey. Get on that. No but, no doubt about it. That's oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Yeah, we're trying to do the same thing as we usually do with the EA FIFA tournaments and have like a network of foot golf tournaments around the country. Yeah, chapter uh, foot golf tournaments in the spring. Ooh. That'll be and good. One thing that Chris mes- mentioned, too, is like having like those intra soccer uh, tournaments so like uh, Chicago and Milwaukee just had theirs. There, I think it was the I ninety five, I ninety four, yeah. Tournament. I think Milwaukee. The took Corn that. Cup in Nebraska is coming up in a few weeks. <laughs> we so. got that, and KC's having one. So I'd love to have like a big network of those too. Mm-hmm. What if we did that during the World Cup? Yes, that's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm trying, to think of a t- I'm trying to think of a city that's centrally located that has <laughs> a good airport. Um, Maybe maybe Chicago? the MLS team. Oh man, I don't know if that. I don't know. Just think about it for a while and get back to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then to finish it up, we also have the Women's Gold Cup. That's also the qualification. That's usually in late October, early November. Oh yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, this Heck October. Yeah. Hey, I mean, we have Some women's games coming parties. up in November. I always have the women's team. I mean, you think about a World Cup coming up. 2019, France. France. We already planning for that one? Yep. Brian? We should have some info on December 14th. That's soon? Yes. Anthony Travel is on it. I saw Julie Johnson, or Julie Ertz, she changed her name, right? Julie Ertz. Scored Diving Header Meg recently, the rarely seen... Often applauded diving header mag. It was amazing. That is incredible. We didn't we didn't even talk about it, a lot of those games. And like, why do why do the U.S. Women's National Team never just go after Julie on every corner kick or free kick? Like yeah, they try to do set. different stuff. You just give the ball to her, yeah, let it, put it close to her head, and it's in the goal. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Since I feel like since she moved up from defense, she scored every single game. Is that an accurate stat? I thought I saw she had like six goals and how many like bring the interns out of the cage and have them look that up. <laughs> All by the head, I'm guessing. <laughs> All right, sorry we got it off. Keep topic. going, Brian. So yeah, we got lots going on. That, oh, we got you got youth stuff coming up, but we want to get more involved in youth. You remember that time we talked to Chris about you know bringing thousands of people to like a, a youth game? That'd be so cool. Yeah, it's you know what also is happening in Kansas City? They're uh, they're building uh, the the youth training facility, the national youth training facility. So maybe we could do that in Kansas City too. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, we also forgot this finishing out this year. AO Ball in Boston. It's the ninth mm-hmm. AO Ball. Oh yeah, so yeah, so uh, Boston always has one of the best uh, charity events around the country. And how many years is this? Almost nine. 10? Nine years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine years they're doing this charity uh, AO ball where everyone mm-hmm. dresses up and all the proceeds go to America Scores Boston. Uh, absolutely amazing. If you have the opportunity and the ability and funds to get out there, uh, definitely and the dance worth moves. 
Oh, we don't. You don't have to have those because I know I don't have those. <laughs> Luckily, I got those in spades. <laughs> I mean, there's one thing too we're talking about. I mean, anything we can do to keep people engaged. I mean, we've discussed trying to get a way to get all our members together. If we do a rally next year, that's an if. Yeah, we're but we're looking into that. it. We're gonna try to do it. Anything else, Brian? I think that's it. Anything else, Christopher? Megan? No. No. Well, cool. Um, Thanks for calling in, Christopher. Um, We're going to go to a break here in a minute to talk to the guys from the Total Soccer Show. Um, Good luck down there in Kansas City. Sorry the uh, sporting team lost in an ugly game this week, but uh, we'll rebound. Every year, it's fine. (laughs) It's to Houston every year, too. Yeah, playoffs. It is. I think this is the fifth fifth season in a row they get lost in the playoff, the knockout match. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, um, we still got we still got Swope Park Rangers down here, so we're golden. You got the Open Cup too. Yes, we did. <laughs> congrats, uh, oh, and also congrats for joining us on the first ever episode that Sunil might listen to. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey Sunil. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, good one. Thanks, Christopher. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll Bye. talk to you soon. We got the Total Soccer Show guys coming up soon after the break. Welcome back, American Outlaws World, to the American Outlaws podcast. I believe this is number 40 in the series. Is I that right? I'll, I'll check the, the math room. on that. Yeah, and we still suck at it, so that's good to know that we haven't improved at all in a 10 years of doing this. <laughs> Somehow we get people still to come on and talk to us. It's amazing, the people we get on. Speaking of that, <laughs> we have on the line Daryl Grove and Taylor Rockwell of the Total Soccer Show. Guys, say hi, please. Hi, please. Hello. Hi. You guys have uh, really set the bar high with that introduction. <laughs> have we? <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Luckily, the expectation... We, we suck, and we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, I think the, reason, the reason we wanted to come on is we are big fans of the American Outlaws and what you guys do and the atmosphere you bring to games, so um, we jumped at a chance to talk to you guys. So, yeah, hello. That's awesome. The admiration is uh, mutual. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Um, I'm a big fan of the show. I know Megan listens to the show as well. Megan's in the in the room. Brooke listens to the show hey, as well, right? Oh yeah. They said hi. You can't hear it. She doesn't have headphones on. But uh Hi new friend. <laughs> yeah, so 
Total Soccer Show is a podcast that uh, you guys do, and I, I love it. It's very um, entertaining, but yet informative and uh, fun to listen to. I look forward to it every week, and I'm going to stop kissing your ass right now. But uh, <laughs> you guys talk about, I mean, let's just get right to it, I guess, with the men's national team. Yeah. Um, I think you refer to it as the recent unpleasantness. Is that the correct term? Yeah, and it's still recent enough to be the recent unpleasantness. <laughs> yeah, and it's still very unpleasant. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm not sure at what point it will stop being the recent unpleasantness. Maybe uh, Qatar 2022. Maybe that will be uh, soon enough or far enough away enough. What do we know? Three weeks? We're three yeah. weeks since, right? Yeah. yeah. Really? Is that all? Tomorrow, uh, well, Halloween will be three weeks. It feels like it's been six months. <laughs> It's going to really hurt in December for the draw. I know that because the draw is like my favorite part of the World Cup. And when, and when we don't have a ping pong ball in there that's all heated up for us, I don't know what we're going to do. Can we bribe someone to sneak one in there? We'll just end it with a team with five groups and one of them will be the USA. Oh, uh, that'd be amazing. Anything with FIFA is possible <laughs> on that front. I yeah. get the feeling. Yeah, I mean, Sepp Blatter has said he's going to Russia 2018. So I feel like if he's going to be there, any sort of bribery is possible. <laughs> <laughs> he flies in on a gold plane, I would imagine. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I guess I'd like to hear your guys' gut reaction to the game. But more uh, more so than that, I, I think we're all really dumbfounded. Because, I mean, the, the odds were so low that we weren't going to make the World Cup going into it. I think it was like a 7% chance or something that going into that, that we weren't going to end up going to the World Cup. And, I, um, you know, it all it took a while to sink in. Everybody listened to some REM music in their car on the way home everybody hurts and then i got home and i like listened to a bunch of hot takes i listened to your guys's hot take which is one of my favorite things you guys do is right after every every big game you you do like a a hot take and then you rewatch the game and you do a more in-depth uh analysis what if you guys could sum up your quick quick take hot take for those who haven't heard it what was your quick take coming out of that uh debacle down in trinidad so full disclosure, I genuinely can't remember <laughs> what we said, and not because of any drinking, but because we were in that weird sort of state of shock. Right? You remember the atmosphere in the room was just like, what has happened? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we said. I mean, I'm with you. I, usually the, the quick take is one of my favorite things because usually when you're watching the U.S. play, it's so emotional that you can kind of have a few takeaways, but then when you watch it again, you kind of learn if those were correct or if maybe it wasn't as bad or as good as it seemed upon first viewing. This time, I think we sat in silence for about five minutes, yeah. and then we recorded the quick take, and then we went and drank. <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, it was basically just sort of like, this kind of changes everything. I think that was more or less it, that it, we never kind of thought it was a possibility that the United States yeah. would miss a World Cup in our lifetime, um, or at least in my remembering soccer <laughs> lifetime. Right. Um, and now that was the case, and so it kind of, it forced us to kind of reevaluate some things, and frankly, we, I mean, we still are. Like, I yeah. think we still are looking at some stuff as you know, in the past, we thought, oh, you know, this is fine. And now we're looking at it and thinking, well, that is categorically not fine since we're not going to be at a World Cup. And I would say we celebrated after the Panama win as if we basically, yep. like, one and a half feet were in the door yeah. of the World Cup. Yeah. And in hindsight, I kind of feel like maybe that's what Bruce Arena did because picking the same team that beat an open Panama to go to an away game yeah. with a not great field against a team that can play direct and hurt you was obviously in hindsight a huge mistake. And I'm sure he hasn't admitted it, right? But I'm sure Bruce Arena, um, a few years from now, if he sits down and gives an honest recounting of what happened, yeah. there'll be, he'll say, yeah, I was too arrogant. I was too confident that I could just pick this 
4-1-3-2 attacking formation that worked against one team. Same lineup. The yeah. same guys who were like exhausted from these sort of emotions and energy and you know the physical exertion of the win over Panama, send them down to Trinidad and just assume it would be okay. It was obviously, in hindsight, the wrong thing to do. Yeah, and I think and I think it was pretty much clarified when Julie, Julie Stewart Binks, I think, re, or tweeted the Bruce Arena lines after the Panama win where he was basically like, we haven't thought about Trinidad at all. It's just yep. all Panama. Yep. And I think that then shows that like, yeah, and he too was like, oh, we beat Panama. We're good to go. Yep. No problem. I don't even need to think about this. <laughs> oh no, we've missed the World Cup. Yep. That that was, I wrote it down as you're talking, the Julie Stewart-Binks' tweet about Bruce's quote, like, oh, we haven't even spent one second thinking about the next game was everything I needed to know. And alarm bells were already going off for me when he said that. Even before that game started, I was like, this is going to, there's a good chance this is going to be a nightmare night. For some reason, it was just tinkering in the back of my head. Yeah. You should have got down there and told him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Justin was down there. I was. Oh, Oh, my gosh. That experience was like nothing else. Uh, before the game, I mean, everyone was in good spirits. And even even the first half, even when we were down, everyone was still like, oh, I mean, I mean, we're worried. But I think there's still some optimism in the stands. But um, I think in the middle of the second half is when all, like, nervousness and stress and anxiety kicked in. And I couldn't even, like, chant anymore. I was so nervous pacing the stadium. Can the was, players hear you? Yeah. I mean, there was literally less than 3,000 in that stadium. And we were yelling at the players, like, you guys know that Panama and Costa Rica scored. We need to – or not oh, – Panama and Honduras scored. And we need you to start running <laughs> and get a goal. And it, it was the weirdest experience of my life. And I just walked – and the stadium was empty. I just walked to the end of the stadium, sat down by myself in a chair, and just, like, hunched over for about 10 minutes. I, I – Picture you pacing up back and forth with the players, just yelling into their ear, like, pick it up, guys, and they can actually hear you over the generators that we had to listen to. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, think, I think y'all did a pretty good job of showing restraint, because some of the videos I saw, I definitely saw some like Trinidad fans like dancing around you guys with flags as everybody just looked like a thousand-yard stairs and totally dejected. Yeah. But I'm also wondering, what were the players like after that game? Because I feel like we didn't really watch the end of it like I, once the final whistle went, Daryl and I just stared into space and tried not to weep. Uh, but I'm wondering what I turned the TV off. Yeah, and we turned the TV off. What was like the players' reaction? Did they just immediately hustle to the locker room? Did they come over and say thank you all for cheering, even though this didn't go well? Uh, no. Um, so none of them came over. Uh, to I thought one person clapped generally in your. No, I believe it was jo- Josie at the beginning of the game. He came over and acknowledged um, the fans, the U.S. fans that were there. Uh, after the game, no, I think people were all stunned, laying on the grass. And half the team went directly into the locker room. The other half were just like laying on the ground. Uh, eventually, then heading into the locker room. So they never came over uh, and acknowledged us. I mean, it, it sucks, but it's also kind of understandable. I'm sure they're just as shocked as we were. And uh, one, I don't even know if I should say this, one anecdote that even after, the only person we saw after the game was, uh, that was part of the team was uh, Bruce Arena drinking wine in the lobby after the game. That was interesting. (laughs) Just sitting in the lobby, huh? Yeah. That's a bad choice. Yeah. (laughs) Man, that is not what I would do if I were in his Mm -hmm. situation. I know. I was just leave it at that. Hold up, just, hold up in the I mean, hotel room. Champagne when you just won MLS Cup with the LA Galaxy, but <laughs> wine is not a post World Cup disaster uh, beverage. Yeah, but also like, I mean, I'm gonna go Game of Thrones here, but if I've like, like I don't know, betrayed the Lannisters, I'm not then gonna go like <laughs> hang out in Casterly Rock and be like, oh hey friends, what's going on guys? Like it's not gonna go well. 
I just can't imagine. Like he's got to know people are not going to be pleased to see him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And 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 uh, we're all still drinking in the lobby, trying to make sense of our lives. <laughs> and uh, granted, it was red wine, not champagne, I believe. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, that's so weird, though, because we Daryl and I literally, after we recorded the Quick Nick Hot Take that night, we went to a bar, and I was saying, like, I I think at the time I said, it's really weird because four months ago, if I saw Bruce Arena. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm from Virginia, and then I rooted for D.C. United, so I would have been pumped to see him. I would have been like, oh, man, national titles, D.C. United, USA 2002. It was awesome. And then after that, if I saw him drinking in a bar, I would probably go up to him and be like, hey, man, what happened? And so it's just weird to me that you guys actually kind of had that experience. It, that's, that's very strange. So I have a question. Uh, mostly because he was drinking. I, I kind of can't get over that. Yeah, I was just thinking. So I was thinking to myself at that time, like, he, he's literally 20 feet from me, and we're behind a glass door from the outside patio, and he was inside. And I was like, do I talk to him, and what would I say? I eventually never did that, but what would you say if you're in that position after the game? And we went up and talked to him. Are you asking me? I, I was asking them. Anyone got, anyone got a good lead on a time machine? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a super esoteric reference for that one, but in Enemy at the Gates, which I know we all remember really, really well, the sniper movie, yeah. there's the part where like uh, Ed Harris is like yeah. the super wealthy German sniper, and he's on his like private train car, and he just looks across at the other train where it's all the German like like uh, people who've been injured and are on their way back to Germany, and they're all like 15 people in a bed, and they're just staring at him, and he just slowly pulls the curtain down, and that's it. <laughs> like that's what Bruce would have done. It's sort of you guys all just look up to you guys all staring at him like angrily, and he just slowly pulls the curtain down, and that's that. <laughs> like that's the way that would have gone. Is he had Harris in this? Uh, yeah, he's yeah. absolutely the uh, the rich guy who's drinking wine casually after a <laughs> devastating situation. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. I think we all had a couple a couple <laughs> drinks after that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I I stayed up late and was like scouring the internet for like hot takes. I had your guys's, and then there was like Taylor Twelman had a pretty epic one. Um, I'm wondering if there's any that really resounded with you guys um, in the immediate aftermath. Any like famous reactions to what had just happened before us, like. I have mine, but I'm wondering if any, if you remember sitting in front of your TV on YouTube or whatever, um, somebody that you really thought was speaking the truth for you. So what did we do? We did the quick take hot take. We went across the street, had a not not too many drinks, but you know a few drinks. Then I went home. I don't think I, I tried to avoid everything until the next day, and that's when I saw Taylor Twelman, and that sort of um, the passion that Taylor Twelman showed, and yeah, what are we doing and all that sort of stuff. Um, that the thing that really struck me with that was how it seemed to me that that had been building up inside of him for I don't know how many years, like a year, two years. Like he obviously had this inside of him, but didn't want to let it out until there was some big disaster. And it's almost like the uh, the dam broke and like everything he was thinking mm. came out. That that is the I know that's the one that you guys already referenced, but that is the one that that sticks with me. Yeah, and I think oh, it, and Hercules Gomez yep. tweeted Sunil out. Yeah. Which was like I don't think I think he had talked about it before, but that that seemed like again the dam had broken and Hercules Gomez maybe had that opinion hadn't shared it suddenly it's like it's all okay to share that opinion now. Yeah, and I'll say uh, for me I'll say the Taylor Tolman one as well, but specifically I went home that night and watched it and the part that really resonated for me and again this is what I meant earlier when I said like it kind of forced me to reevaluate things is that I've always been like oh poor United States they have to go on the road and play in these like difficult situations in small stadiums with a bad field and they've got to find a way to cope with it. And that's kind of always been my approach. And his point about like, Oh, the field is wet. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
figure out a way yeah. to deal with that. And that was sort of like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, we play on bad fields all the time at amateur level, and we're not like, oh, no, we can't play on this one. We're going to yeah. complain and look to- totally miserable because uh-huh. the field is slightly yeah. <laughs> Like, it, it definitely, that was the one for me that was like, yeah, we kind of got to redefine the way we look at CONCACAF qualifying it- and kind of stop whining so much. I, I don't know if we've talked about this, Taylor, on, on our show. I genuinely can't remember if we've talked about it, but there definitely was a feeling of, like, we're better than the bottom half of the hex yeah. in terms of, you know, facilities and all that yeah. type of stuff. And just a thing of, like, oh, we like we dang to go down, down there and play a qualifier, yeah, and then so. we, we get out the next day. And I feel like there needs to be more of a thing of sort of, like, um, just preparing yourself to be, all right, this is a, a tough game, but having genuine respect. Because I know Trinidad were kind of, remember the Trinidad Impress was yeah. very upset with the way the the, uh, the U.S. soccer and U.S. media mm-hmm. was reporting the water around the field like it was. Yeah. Kind of, we were kind of laughing at it, and they were sort of like, "Hey, this is our stadium. Like, show some, show some respect." So I think there is a thing where we need to show more respect to our Concacaf opponents. Yeah, there was something that just didn't feel quite right when they were showing all those videos of carrying the players across the water. And I think one of the yeah. big, one of the big things that the Trinidadian FA mentioned was that they didn't make any mention of all the rain that they had got there. And it did, yeah, it just didn't sit right for some reason. I think you guys just nailed the head on it, or the, hit the nail on the head on that. Yeah, and the fans there, uh, they felt the same way. The game in the middle of a, excuse me, sorry, talked over you. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's all right. Uh, yeah, and I think you're talking about how the fans were just kind of cheering over us and kind of, and they were. I think they felt the same way. They felt that all the U.S. was kind of, you know, mocking them, and all the fans there were getting behind the team and absolutely passionate, almost like, I don't know, like, they weren't like saying sorry to us at all. It, usually, like <laughs> the Trinidadian Tobagian fans um, are pretty nice, and this time they were just antagonizing yeah. us, which is uh, super interesting. I don't know if it was because of that. So I mean, I think it probably factors in because I, I say the other semi rant that I, I thought really resonated for me, at least, was uh, Shaka Hisla, who basically said. You know, because he is from Trinidad and Tobago, and he was basically saying, like, I've never seen an American team look this arrogant without any reason to look that arrogant. <laughs> basically just saying that, like, they went there, they kind of disrespected Trinidad, they kind of thought, like, oh, I guess we'll show up here, you only have three points, like, we know you're not going to try that hard, you're already eliminated. And his point was, like, not only have you disrespected the Federation and the country, but also, like, you have a target on your back. Everybody wants to beat the United States. Yeah. How do you not know that going into a pivotal World Cup qualifier? Mm-hmm. And it just seems like they didn't. Yeah, that that kind of the one that stuck with me, and it kind of speaks to the same thing that Shaka was saying. Was I, I don't love Colin Cowherd necessarily. I don't really listen to him that much. But uh, his first reaction, he had Landon Donovan and Alexi Lawless on later. But his first reaction was all about how he's been all over the country and he and he's covered all different sports. And he said there has to be accountability. And if you're if you're expecting to go, you know, 500 on the season, you hire a 500 on the season coach. But if you're expecting to win things and 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 you know, make the playoffs in MLS or win the, win the uh, World Series or whatever it is, you hire people that will do that, and you hold them accountable if they don't do that. And that really resonated with me. And I think with a lot of well, I know with a lot of <laughs> a lot of U.S. soccer fans, there has to be you know, kind of new. I don't know, some new ideas or new change or change at U.S. soccer, change in the way the attitude is, change in the arrogance levels. So with that in mind, you guys did a podcast shortly afterwards. It was probably a week or two ago now where you were you put yourself in the shoes of the next leader of U.S. soccer. And you said and you highlighted 10 things that you would do if you were president of U.S. soccer tomorrow. 
I don't know if you remember. I, w- I want you to recite all ten of them first. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I I listened to that and I I like wrote a bunch of them down because I was just enjoying it and and a lot of them I was agreeing with. I wonder if since you guys have recorded that, if any of those like still stick in your head as being like the top of the heap that you think that needs to happen immediately, or if there's any any of them that you want to expand on more since that show. I mean, I have a million things to say. I feel like I'm going to cede it to Taylor first. You got anything? I think uh, we touched upon it a little bit, but kind of the biggest thing that I think we keep going back to between this and, and we do another one called the Top Door Soccer Show, and that's more so focused on youth, has been sort of the problem of getting youth, like both into Major League Soccer and then into the U.S. national team, and that's something mm-hmm. that I think we touched on in that show. But yeah. the more homegrown we look at it... players getting minutes in Major League Soccer. Yeah, and also like young homegrown players, because even the yeah. clubs that tout, like, oh, we had players, homegrown players got 4,000 minutes, and it's like, well, you're counting Bill Hamid as a homegrown player, and he's 20, or like a young player, and he's 27. So let's <laughs> be real here. And like, so I think that's, that is one thing that has been increasingly on my mind, is how few young players are involved in major league soccer to the extent that it becomes a talking point that like, Hey, Tyler Adams is doing stuff. And I don't think that should be the case. I I feel like it should be, we talked about this a little bit uh, just like, like an hour ago, Joe and I did that. Like, I think there should almost be a rule of like every team has to have a Tyler Adams. Like you got to have an 18 year old in your squad. (laughs) Otherwise you're automatically forfeiting. Yeah. Your franchise should depend on having an American teenage phenom. And if you don't have one for three seasons in a row, then you lose your MLS franchise. Then that's your fault. I am am mostly joking, (laughs) but um, I would enjoy MLS a lot more if that was the case. (laughs) So, yeah, but I think, I think for me, it's, it's, it's getting more young, young players involved. It seems like U S soccer maybe agrees since there was that leak of what, 60 young players who are potentially going to be caught up for Portugal. Did you guys see this? No. Inform us, please. It was a couple, a couple of days ago. Um, uh, Metro.us, which I think is like an, like an alternative independent type newspaper um, originating in New York, had a leak of a story that the, there's going to be a, a heavily youth-oriented roster for the game against Portugal, and that right now there's like a 60-player preliminary roster. And the names that were sort of confirmed to be on there were the Tyler Adams, Weston mm-hmm. McKinney, Jonathan Gonzalez, uh, Matt Miazga, like a lot of like 20s and teenager players. So it seems like there's going to be this sort of... Uh, Next generation of players is about to get their shots. And Graham Vinci, obviously. I Oh boy, that'd be. I know you were joking, but I still have to make sure to contradict it. Just my curls, my toes curled when I said that. So you got to have the mature role model there. <laughs> sure, something like that. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it seems like maybe that is something that they're trying to do. Although we talked about it a little bit, and I feel like maybe that's more of a PR thing at this point. That. Like, they don't have a coach right now, and they don't really have much direction, so they've got to find a way to make people think, like, oh, someone is steering the ship, and (laughs) I guess the way to do that is to sort of leak 60 players that could get a call-up. So I think it's it's a PR thing, but it's also the correct thing. It's the thing Mm -hmm. that everybody wants as well, right, is to see these young players in U.S. national team jerseys so that we can all almost um, put the recent unpleasantness behind us and start looking ahead to the future pleasantness. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was mine that you said you could talk for a while, Dogrove. What, uh, what were um, you thinking? So, yeah, well, I mean, one of them that sort of ties in with what you were just talking about, Taylor, with homegrown player minutes for Major League Soccer players, I, the thing I really want to see is a change in the relationship between U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer to kind of force Major League Soccer to not just think about sort of 
becoming bigger and trying to be the best league in the world, which really seems like kind of a silly goal to me because that's going to take a long time and you may not ever get there because, you know, Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga just keep getting bigger and more expensive. Well, you keep forgetting that the Premier League has a $2 million salary cap. So that's really the thing. <laughs> We're really well ahead with per player. Yeah, with our $3.85 million salary cap per, or whatever. Per monthly salary. <laughs> Goodness, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'd really love to see MLS sort of be one of the few leagues in the world that is sort of has its mission statement as we are going to be the sort of the hotbed of giving young American players a chance. Yeah. And then the second big part of that, we talked about this on the show, I think, is then trying to get those players over to Europe. And that involves admitting that the U.S. national team is better when our best players are over in Europe. Sort of challenge. I'm, I'm almost like repeating Jurgen Klinsmann's talking mm-hmm. points, but um, getting <laughs> yep. those best players over to Europe at an optimal point, as opposed to holding on to them in Major League Soccer for too long. So I want to see that facilitated by U.S. Soccer and Major League Soccer and have that as the goal. Yeah, and sorry to, to keep going with that one, but I think the key point there, there was the, like, at an optimal point. Yeah. Because there is there was that period, like, where you had, like, Brescia and Juanagadillo theoretically maybe going to Stoke, or, yeah, Stoke, right? Because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah. well, we got to go to Europe. That's what you do. You go there, you don't get minutes. Brescia flips off an entire crowd. Then he gets sent back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not welcome in Barnsley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sounds like that's crap. not really the best thing. <laughs> Actually, it's probably fine. I think it was Birmingham. Wasn't no, it? no was he was on loan at Barnsley as well. Yeah. At least he but didn't shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been worse. But, yeah, so I think that's the key point there is, like, you don't just send them there because Europe is better. You send them there because there's a European club that wants this player because he's going to get minutes there. Yeah. Go there and get those minutes and then improve as a player. And maybe so- there needs to be someone at U.S. Soccer who is the advisor to help mm. players choose the right team that's going to be the best for their development. And yeah. for Brett say it wasn't Stoke City. That should never have been the move. I feel like you're angling for a job right now. Is that what's I, happening I, here? I <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just going to ask, like, who yeah. does that? And you just, you already answered my question before I was going to answer it. Their asking it, maybe? Wouldn't it be their agent? But the agent's just going to look for the most money. Yeah. I Not really their best opportunity, right. maybe. That's the other part. We, we talked about this off air, I think. I would like to see U.S. soccer and Major League soccer kind of... In a, in a cynical way, get in bed with some European agents because that's part of making those moves happen. Not literally, it's a figure of speech. Title. I'm with you on that. I just feel like you've been so critical of Wolverhampton, your team, for like yeah. basically being run by George Mendes, and now you're like, you know what, agents yeah, different. You know what? I've Wolves are second in the championship. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to be happening. But maybe you have to accept that that is how the game works. Like, get some agents on your side. Yeah. Get a few, like, some big, or don't have to be the biggest names like George Mendes, but mm. some influential agents in Europe and have them be the guys that are sort of like, Hey, have you seen this Kelly Acosta kid? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. get, make that have a have a, an agent that is sort of the uh, the guy who is making that happen. Yeah, but I think to your earlier point though, that like to do that though, MLS is still fairly convoluted when it comes to transfer policy, mm-hmm. who gets what and when, and oh, how this, those. This guy would need an, yeah. an MBA in MLS. Uh, well, but I think that's where contract. That's where I think U.S. Soccer maybe steps in and says like, okay, you guys got to simplify this, otherwise maybe D1 sanctioning isn't there anymore, and so then it becomes <laughs> an easier way to get players to be sold. And then I think maybe that helps things move along a little yeah. bit better. So I think, again, yeah, it is a little bit better interaction and better planning on the part of Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. Do some of those clubs over there kind of look at, you know, the popularity of players over here? Can the fans do anything to help get players more attention? Like some of the youth players? I'm not sure. Unless you can, like, like really harass some agents. <laughs> keep mentioning players' names to them or reach out to some clubs. Um, I mean, a lot of it depends on work permit stuff as well, right? That's that's yeah. a big problem for sure. U.S. players going to um, almost anywhere in Europe. If they don't have um, a European passport like Pulisic did, it's really hard to sort of be able to go over there. 
Yeah. I mean, this is like, maybe this maybe sounds like a silly answer, but I think it's true. I think it's just like the more maybe Americans who go abroad and study abroad and live abroad and like the more accessible that seems maybe that like, Mm -hmm. I do think some 18 year olds, I mean, it's what Jermaine Jones said about Jordan Morris is I think you can go to Germany and have a trial and then go back to home. And it's like, oh, but my dog is here and my girlfriend is here. My parents are here. It's yeah. way easier to live here than it is to live abroad. Ironically, Germany is one of the easiest places to, uh, to move, move your dog to. Yes. Right? Yeah, I would think <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I, I know because I helped a friend do it. My, me, my wife helped a friend move her dog to Germany, and it's not that complicated. <laughs> this, this, is the, this is the lifestyle Daryl Gross yeah. chooses. But, but, yeah, so I, but I think it is sort of, it's not always... I'm saying Jordan Morris can get in touch. I can make that. <laughs> That's good. I, you, I feel like you're throwing your hat, hat to the ring for a lot of different positions this evening. Um, but I do think that that's part of it, though, is that I think if American players kind of don't see it as such a big jump, but it's like, yeah, Germany, there's still food there. Good. There's still cars there. Still you know, um, they don't have Taco Bell. That's what they care about? Oh, no Taco Bell, yeah, then. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so so uh, we're talking about all these things. So what gives you optimism? And what should our members and fans, why should they have optimism going forward? Alcohol. <laughs> Other than the obvious. I genuinely have optimism that there is a lot of U.S. Uh, youth talent coming through. We mentioned McKenney. Tyler Adams, Jonathan Gonzalez already. That's an entire central midfield that realistically could play for the U.S. men's national team tomorrow and hang with a lot of really good teams. Yeah. And that's only the sort of um, the older teenagers. When you go to the younger, younger age groups and you look at the U17 team that we just did, yeah, we watched them through the U17 World Cup. Yeah. And you see the things, Carlton, Timothy Weyer, Josh Sargent, Chris Goslin, what those guys can do. Chris Durkin, we're huge fans of. Mm. I can see all those guys being very, very talented professional players in the next two three years yeah and i think i think part of that and i'm like hesitant to say this because it comes about from lots and lots of conversations daryl and i have had but i would say to people who are looking for some sort of optimistic note is that it's not as bad as maybe as it first seems because i think when you and i first started looking into ways to change u.s soccer and what needs to be done and how do we make sure this doesn't happen again it felt like okay we need a dos reboot rebuild everything's got to change and then, yeah, to your point, you look like the U-20s performed well. U-17s performed well, lost to a team that eventually won the U-17 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of young players in there who I think are going to do big things. Uh, and then there's young players coming through who are going to fill those 17-year-old spots. The U-15 national team already looks strong as well. So I think the youth pipeline... Fellow, left back of the future. There you go. The American yeah. Maldini. <laughs> <laughs> there have been a lot of American Maldinis and a lot of American Madonna. Or Maradona. Yeah, we need another um, left back. But so I think... <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Graham's yeah, easy, yeah. man. <laughs> Well, and uh, Jorge Villafaña, I think they announced today, has been relegated to uh, Santos Laguna's U20 team. Yeah, I see. I'm not as down on that as you are. I saw uh, Kim Tate was tweeting out mm-hmm. that essentially they do that a lot where they'll just like, you go there just to get some match fit minutes. It's not as if he's been like punished and sitting there forever. I, well, I right? think he hasn't been playing. So all I'm saying right. is maybe we do need to get a new left back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and maybe spe- it can be a 15-year-old. What could go wrong with that? <laughs> so speaking of all these young players, you guys have like a really – innovative cool way of making people aware of young and up and coming players and it's your scouting network and i didn't really understand what what i was listening to the first like five or ten episodes can you explain what the scouting the scouting report program that you have is exactly and how it works so yeah maybe i'll give you the the genesis of it is that we wanted to do some sort of crowdfunding 
for the Total Soccer Show as we were growing. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to do you know, maybe like a Patreon type thing, you know, but we wanted to genuinely give people something for their money, right? I think, I think it was, I, I, I think I'm wrong in this, but it might not be. I think it was before Patreon existed, right? No, I think or, Patreon was around. All right. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. I maybe I didn't tell you about it just in case you <laughs> wanted to go with that instead. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was like, yeah, around 2014, was 2015. it? 2015. 2015 is when we started doing it. And it's basically, uh, it's the lowest level, the $5 a month level. Basically, we give you a young player uh, to kind of report back on. We read those reports on the air. And the idea behind it was essentially that for some people, like after the 2014 World Cup, we did a sort of any questions you might have if you're just getting into soccer, if you watch the World Cup and you want to know more about soccer, send us your questions. And a lot of people's questions were sort of like, when does DC United play in the World Cup? Or how does DC United play in the Champions <laughs> League? I can't United. But it was sort of like, okay, people kind of are really trying to get into it, but they don't fully know how. And so one way we thought was good was like, okay, we'll give you a young American who's playing in this league. Or, oh, like you live in Germany, we'll give you a young German player to pay attention to. And it was sort of a way for people to be introduced to the game. And it seems like it's worked out pretty well. And then it's yeah. also given us the opportunity to then pay attention to lots of young people. So, yeah, that's the other thing is um, people are genuinely contributing content to the show by sending us reports on what these young players are doing. Like, we, uh, we're, we've always been interested in what, like, you know, the next young great player is doing. But it's hard to search for it every week. Mm -hmm. But now we have all these people um, doing that work and sending it to the show. So we have people um, who like the show enough to, to financially commit to it, um, and then involved in the show, contributing content to it. And we have content that it would be otherwise impossible for Taylor and I to compile um, ourselves unless we just spent every minute of every day searching the internet. Yes. I guess we almost do, but there's still not quite <laughs> enough. And to your point about it being a little bit confusing, I think, I think I've had this conversation with my parents roughly 40 times where I explain this, and it's always like, wait, so they pay you the money and then they send you reports <laughs> on a player? <laughs> it's like, that is correct. I'm Taylor's then, father, by the way. We should elaborate on that. <laughs> That's... I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but, yeah, I think, I think it's also for some people who maybe don't have a lot of other soccer fans, it's like around them. It's a way to kind of stay actively engaged in a team or a country that they're interested or just a specific player. And yeah. it gives them an opportunity to watch that player and then talk about it or email people who are also interested in that player or league. And I think it's also a way for people to break out of the things they're just used yeah, to watching true. all the time. Because we've had a lot of people say, I keep watching the Premier League and Major League Soccer, don't watch anything else. Mm -hmm. And they'll literally ask, can you give me a player in the Bundesliga so that I have a reason that I have to mm -hmm. watch mm -hmm. a Bayer Leverkusen game on a Saturday? And it'll just like give them the extra motivation to tune in and watch Bayer Leverkusen. And then Kai Havertz, the 18-year-old, will score for Leverkusen. Yeah, I think, I think it's amazing. <laughs> I love this concept so much. I think it's important, especially how we say in like the one thing that's most important thing for U.S. men's national team is the youth, right? right. I think this is just brilliant. I'd love to uh, have us help out any way possible for that because I think it's such a cool concept. So, Con yeah, conversation off the air on that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, love it. United States qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Is that possible? Because that would have been really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we might have just missed the boat. <laughs> Well, um, I think that's all we got. Again, thank you guys so much for being on. We're big fans of the show. Um, where can um, our listeners find you? So we're in all the podcast players, um, iTunes, etc. Um, but if you go to totalsoccershow.com, the most recent episode is always on the front page. And I, and I just want to say, uh, like, since Daryl's covered that one, I really do, like, I, I don't want to just pay lip service to it, but it, it really was, like, I think American Outlaws in Richmond had started to exist about around the time that I went abroad. 
Um, but then obviously like got bigger and bigger and bigger to, to like when I moved like when I moved back to Richmond and moved back to the U.S. Like just to go to a bar and see it like completely packed full of people like singing songs and fully like fully yeah. outfitted and really ready to go. And then it's cool like the American Outlaws in Richmond they make very good like union style shirts and like good pint glasses yeah. and everything. And it's just, yeah, that t-shirt sounds awesome. Yeah, it really and they've like organized public public viewings here for for important World Cup games, which sadly won't be happening. But <laughs> I, I feel like yeah. that's, uh, that's all because some individuals we're talking to on the phone got some people together and said, hey, maybe we should have like a unified supporters group. So. Thank you all for doing all that you've done for the game. <laughs> no problem, guys. I hey, uh, appreciate it. Shout out to A.O. Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much for being on. And um, everybody go listen to the Total Soccer Show so I can it's talk awesome. with you at the bar about it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. American Outlaws podcast. Thank you to the Total Soccer Show to Terrell and De- or Taylor and Daryl. Now you can make a new name for him. Terrell, Terrell, and, Ta- Terrell and Daler. <laughs> Thanks you. Thank you to Terrell and Daler for uh, joining us. That was great. Um, so yeah, a lot of sadness, but a lot of hype, a lot of exciting things coming up. No World Cup, but Women's World Cup qualifying coming up uh, this f- um, within the next year. Ish. We got it's to, still a while. It's a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's literally this time next year. Yeah. Um, if uh, the Total Soccer Show guys were correct in their scouting, we might have a lot of youth uh, in our team against Portugal in the next what is that week or two? So that'd be fun. Watch, watch them just stomp all over Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Uh, we got a lot of good uh, AO community events coming up. AO in the community day. Please talk with your chapters. Start highlighting uh, a nice community project in your area that you might uh, get some uh, man and woman power behind. Go paint a school. Do whatever you can. All the election stuff. We got uh, yeah. We got big changes in U.S. soccer coming. Be on top of that. Hopefully. Be uh, be a learned uh, U.S. soccer fan. Check out our election page. We're working on it. We're it's growing as we get more information, um, as more candidates uh, sign up. So, a lot going on. It may not feel like there's much going on, but there is a lot going on. So, um, I, I read I read a thing too about that we hadn't mentioned up to now, but just growing the game of soccer in your area with the not so the not so glamorous positions of coaching a kid's team, even if you don't have a kid at the time, go, uh, go, you know, try and uh, inspire some kids to stick with soccer and teach them what you know about soccer. I guarantee you know more than their parents do. <laughs> I can promise you that right now. Um, get involved. Do do the stuff that's not fun that you know needs to be done. Do the refereeing jobs. Stay engaged. Stay engaged and get other people engaged. That's uh, the way forward. I think. Um, but thank you guys for uh, listening and for being AO members and uh, U.S. soccer fans. We love seeing you out there all over the country and the world. Hopefully we'll see some of you in Portugal. I won't be there. I don't think anybody's going <laughs> in this room. But uh, it would be a fun one to go to, see some of the youth uh, stomp on Mr. Cristiano Pulisic. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Cristiano Pulisic. Uh, stomp on his boots. 
Um, that's all I got. <laughs> you don't sound excited for the future. I'm super excited. I, I'm a little tired. I'm there's, not going to lie. It might be depressing, but there's better times to come. Listen, my hammies are singing a bad tune. <laughs> I ran a half marathon yesterday, as we've discussed. It was my first year 40th. We've been over that. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go get a nice rub down from my cat. So. <laughs> All right, on that note. <laughs> no one's listening anymore uh, anyway. <laughs> Everybody checked out just All like right, my uh, mind did about right. five minutes ago. <laughs> no, more, no more, Corey. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Justin, for uh, being on the mic. Yeah. No Thanks, Hexel, for being on the mic and headphone. One love. Thanks, Megan, for doing a bunch of spreadsheet work and listening in. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. We will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.